Happy New Year, everybody, and this is your Living My Youth. My name is Noel Folkman. Before we get to this week's guest, I just want to remind everybody that Reliving My Youth is now on Spotify. Just search for Living My Youth, all one word. If you want a t-shirt, a hoodie, a mug, even a onesie, go to Reliving My Youth's shop on tpublic.com, search youth. This week's guest is actor Scott Valentine. Now, Scott, best remembered for portraying Nick Moore, Mallory's boyfriend on Family Ties. Scott talks about landing the role, the adversity he had early on in his career, and Nick was so popular on Family Ties, they tried spinning off the character three times. The last, called The Art of Being Nick, the pilot aired. It featured Scott and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. It was really funny. Unfortunately, there was a lot of drama that Scott will talk about, and the show wasn't picked up. Scott talks about what he's been up to these days, some of the regrets in his career, and I don't know how many people know, but he also was a very accomplished voice actor, and he worked with some of the greats that he'll fill us in, and there's a little bit of a funny story that Scott will share. Super guy, we had a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Scott. And helping me relive my youth today is Scott Valentine. Scott, how are you today? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. How, how close actually are you to the fires? Uh, the closest they got to us was in Malibu, which was only, I'd say, maybe about five miles from our house, five, six miles. We were never at a threat for fire, but there was certainly a lot of ash, a lot of smoke, and, and some friends, unfortunately, lost homes. And what? it's just, you know, it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, luckily it's just homes and not, you know, lives, because, you know, homes can be rebuilt. <laughs> But but yeah. still, it's a terrible tragedy, and hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be out soon, right? Well, those poor folks up in Paradise. Have you seen any photos of uh, Paradise, California? Yeah, those are like spectacular and like scary at the same time. It's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it it, it really is. <laughs> It really is. But, um, yeah, let's talk uh, some happy things now, um, by the way. Um, what, what have you been up to these days? Well, um, you know, it's funny. A lot of your, your, your listeners or viewers, and I get a lot of people that say to me, what happened? Where'd you go? Right. What happened to you? <laughs> we enjoyed you. Why'd you disappear? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, I had gotten sick of Hollywood. I really right. did. And uh, back around, you know, the beginning of this millennium, uh, I had some unfortunate things going personally, which led to a, a, a an unfun divorce. Okay. And some unfun things business-wise, and I said, just screw it, I'm going to get out of the business. Uh, formed an investment banking firm, and ever since about 04, we've been helping structure financing predominantly for renewable energy facilities. A lot of uh, a lot of conversion of garbage and poop and other municipal solid waste to either uh, gas, liquid fuel, or power. You know, and people would say, well, how's that compared to Hollywood? And I'd say, well, at least this shit and this garbage knows that it's shit and garbage and doesn't call itself a starlet or a director. Right, no. true. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so got out of the business, formed an investment banking firm, and, and got back into the business a little bit on the banking and the structuring side. About two years ago, I was lucky enough to meet a gentleman named Larry Meistrich. Larry had formed... Uh, was one of the founders of Shooting Gallery in the 90s back in New York. Shooting Gallery was a very successful independent production company. Their first big splash was um, was Sling Blade. 
Okay, okay. right. And they won the Academy Award for another film. I, I can't remember, but they had produced over 130 films and returned all the capital on all their films. So when I met Larry, um, he was somebody that I, I was very impressed with the structure that he had in place and how adamant he was in adhering to that structure and guaranteeing that the investors and the lender got their money back. So that, that, that appealed to me dramatically. And what we're looking at doing now is uh, we were financing films along with along with shit cookers and uh, you know uh, garbage cookers. Right. <laughs> and um, we were financing films, but the businesses, the independent film business, has gotten rather quixotic with the advent of Netflix and Amazon of and course. the other you know yeah. SVOD and AVOD companies. Um, so at the end of last year, we said, look, we're just going to chill on films. We'll do, we'll do films that are our own. We'll finance. We're not going to do any third-party stuff. And we're now looking, actually, to launch a new network. Oh, wow. We think that's a way to go. We already have an OTT. Uh, we've, we've been in discussions to acquire some station groups and other, uh, other, you know, other carriage from uh, Spectrum and Charter and AT&T and uh, carriage on um, Dish and Direct. So... We're in the process of putting that together because that'll permit us to be able to control everything from soup to nuts and, and you know, maintain our very stringent uh, business practices. Hollywood's not known for being that much, uh, what, stringent in their practices? Right, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we our goal really is to bring great content, uh, content that we feel will be entertaining and engaging, uh, but doing it with an independent spirit. You know, we've, we've got a couple shows we're doing with the NFL. Okay. Uh, we've, we've got another show that's based on a movie we have coming out that it looks like we're getting some really very significant hip-hop and rap talent okay. associated to do music in the movie. I don't want to say their name yet because we're in the middle of negotiations. Gotcha. And that's the quickest thing to queer of course. involvement. <laughs> right. Um, it looks as if it'll go and, and, and these these young fellas and these young ladies are, are very talented and have a lot of folks watching them, so it'll help our show tremendously, you know. Um, and we've got another show that a uh, whole sort of block of programming we're going to do. Do you know the board game Castles and Crusades? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's a lot like Dungeons and Dragons. But yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a very big sector out there that really shuns Hollywood. Isn't you know uh, Hollywood? I don't think knows how to appeal to them, and there are a lot of the folks that do cosplay, and a lot of folks of that go to you know to um, what there's a there's a convention just about every weekend. So the gentleman who's going to head that up for us, he owns the rights to to uh, Castles and Crusades, and then we'll do a whole line of programming around that property: some animation, some live action, some. I don't know if you've seen these shows. There's there's one channel on Pluto where they do nothing but play games all day. That's what they do. Yeah. You know, and it, my kids, I mean, my kids now are 20 to 32. My girlfriend's kids are 25 and 26. But going and, and passing their room or Stacy's kids' room and looking and going, they're watching people playing games on their monitor. That's their, <laughs> they're not really playing the game. They're watching, they're yeah. watching people commenting. Just like, you know, folks watch ESPN to see the commentary on golf or tennis or football. So we we want to get heavily into into that sector. Um, we feel there are other sectors where there's a lot of a lot of urban shows. We've got a, 
There's a movie coming out next year called Hood Pranks, the movie, um, and that has lent us a lot of a lot of uh, goodwill and, and gotten us a lot of traction in that sector of the audience. So, uh, rather excited about it to be to be candid. Oh, that's awesome. I remember when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about, and my previous job was covering esports and broadcasting, and that's just a similar, right. just how like many people just sit there and watch other people play video games. And I wish I wasn't, you know, when I was in college, you know, many years ago, would have thought of making this a career because it's some people make it a career and make, you know, six figures doing it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy, brother. Look at the prizes. I don't know if you, you've monitored. I think you've seen. What was it last year? What was it for? Fortnite or Halo or I don't know what game. And the grand prize, the guy who won it all, I think his prize was $32 million. Yeah. $32 I, million. I know. It's it's unbelievable. And you have now all these like celebrities will sponsor and like start up their own teams. And it's, yeah. And it's kind of like Remember the wild. We were talking yeah. about the guys from, uh, from the Golden State Warriors. There was a couple, two or three of them. They... They were investors, and it's it's it, the buy-in is ten million dollars. Right, you've got to you've got to pony up ten million to have this video gaming team. It's it's yeah. just it's a beautiful segment of the market. It's it's folks that I just think you know typical Hollywood is kind of missed, kind of overlooked, or doesn't know how to appeal to. Yeah. Or when they try to appeal to them, they feel insulted or talked down to. So right, absolutely, um, and and it's still we, like like the wild wild west in, in in this you know industry right now too. So they don't know how to handle it. You know, some some networks do you know cover it, but still, it's it's such an un, untapped market. Yeah, and, and and you know I don't, and we've also looked at. It's funny. I was never. I've never been a fan of wrestling. You know. Okay. Uh, what is it? WWE. Yeah. Or the, MMA or it just I'm come on with a name like Valentine you know I'm a lover I'm not a fighter <laughs> exactly so, but I, I feel that audience that that likes that type of wrestling that type of entertainment has a similar chord or similar resonance as the folks that like cosplay and that like you know um, that kind of stuff and I think we've we've looked at wrestling too we've talked with a bunch of folks from the wrestling world and it's a very it's a very intriguing world. I don't know if we'll go into that sector, right. <clears throat> but I think it's ripe with there's a lot of turmoil in that sector. So maybe maybe we could help. I'm not sure. But what we don't want to do is we, we don't want to assume. Oh, we know. So yeah, you know, we we need to go. Like if we were going to do something about esports, I'd come and talk to you and say, Noel, help me. You know, this is what you did. You know this world. I don't. Right. So, it, it's yeah. It's true. And like you know, now it's. You, you're obviously on you know different networks you know doing these shows and creating shows uh it seems like now the broadcasts like the you know the main i guess four broadcast stations i mean they'll always be popular but now the best shows are on netflix they're on all these other like you know cord cutting services it's you know it's so funny when i was i mean, I mean I'm, I'm old and gray now right <laughs> Thank God you don't have a picture of me. I look like a walking Q-tip with all this gray hair. <laughs> but um, back when you know when, when we were younger, a lot of that segment of the audience was poo-pooed, and there's just and it's not even like oh look at all the money we can make. It, look at all the entertainment we can bring. Look at the bonding we can do. Look at the the olive branches that we can extend. So um, we're pretty excited about it. Well, that's good. I, I I definitely wish you luck with it, and look look forward to seeing what what comes comes of it. Definitely. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah. So when you actually had longer, I guess, browner hair um, way back when, no offense. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 were, you were an actor, you know, and um, how did you get started in the business? You know, no, it was it was another uh, literally me being delusional. <laughs> Seriously, um, if I you know that old adage, if I knew then what I know now, of course, yeah. <laughs> well, if I knew then what I know now, I'm not so sure I'd go down that road, right. knowing how the odds are so you know so against you. But I I was going to college, wasn't digging. I was initially going for a um, uh, a degree in journalism. I was working for Gannett. I was going to go to Guam and be the sports editor of the Guam Journal for Gannett. Okay. And and there was a coup d'etat attempt in Guam, and I'm like, screw this. I'm not going there and getting <laughs> shot by some gorillas. Right. You know, I just wanted to hang out on the beach with Guamian babes and yeah. drink funny little drinks with umbrellas in them or whatever. Mm. <clears throat> but um, I started acting, went to college, got out of college, and I thought, well, that's, this is what you do. You know, I went to school in New York, and... You just you, you go and apply for a job just like if you and I went to school to be an engineer or went to school to be an analyst or went to school to be a teacher. It's sort of, you have your degree, go get a job. Um, and I started, I was getting some traction in New York, but then got run over by a truck. Yeah. Which really got traction. Right. Um, <laughs> Sorry. The hit run over and dragged was yeah. laid up for about two years. And when I started being mobile again and trying to get jobs in New York, I couldn't get arrested. So I came out to LA and just, you know, it's a numbers game for right. anybody. And I, I think literally just about anybody can get a, a job in a field. You know, it's a matter of, can you get that first job? But then it's a matter of, can you keep the ball up in the air? And that's, what's tough. That's what, that's, what's real tough. But thankfully, you know, after being out here 10 months, I got family ties which was supposed to be a one-week gig. Right. And it was kind of like the date that wouldn't leave, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, when, when you were yeah. in New York, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, um, were, no, you, that's okay. were you looking for to more of like a, a theater career? Is that what you really yeah. wanted to do? Oh, dude, I was a snob. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was a snob. I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, and of course it's not Juilliard or it's not Carnegie Mellon or right. it's not ACT, but still it's a very good school. Um, came out of there, went over and started doing work at the Actors Studio. I don't know if you're familiar with the Actors yes. Studio. It was, yeah, you know, and we're talking, you know, Dustin Hoffman, uh, Al Pacino, right. Julia Kazan, you know, real heavyweights in the business. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do plays all year long, to do Odette's or Congreve or Wickerly. And I said, I'll, I'll do plays all year long, and once a year I'll do a movie so I can sort of, you know, spread that money out over the year to, so I can live. Because I, I had done a Broadway play in New York as an up-and-coming actor. And after I got done paying commissions and, and taxes, I still was like, my God, I, I can't even get, you know, I'm not making anything. Here. Right. This is crazy. How do you live? <clears throat> How do people do theater and live? And, and certainly I don't think you do that, you know, in, in New York it's very tough. Um, probably just as tough in Chicago or L.A., but... Uh, I love theater. I still love theater. I did a play, what year is this? 18? Uh, yeah. I did a play seven years ago up in uh, up in Canada. I got a call from my old agent. He said, I got a play for you. <laughs> I'm like, David, please, come on. Right. <laughs> He's like, no, no, you love it, you love it. You know, and David's like the, the typical uh, Hollywood agent, yeah. right? Uh, old Jewish guy, sweetheart of a mm -hmm. guy. 
I'm like, David, I've, I've got this business. I'm trying to run it, trying to make the business a real thing. He goes, well, they're offering you, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. And they were offering, like, movie money to wow. do a play. And it was, it was a comedy. I went up and did it, and I, no, I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. So if I could make enough money to feed my family, put my boys through college, and pay my rent, I, I would still do plays. But as we all know, that's... Uh, that's a dream. It's not a reality, you know? Right. Do you, you still get that itch anytime now or no? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, look at it. This is the right. thing that drove me nuts when I was an actor working all the time. And you have actors that would start bitching about it. And I'd pull them aside and they'd say, come here, come here, come here. What are you, what are you bitching about? you makeup girl? Right. Script supervisor? Your call time wasn't right? What's your problem? Well, but okay, let's look at it in a second. You showed up late. <laughs> they greeted with you. Hi, thank you for being here, Mr. Fogelman. Would you like a breakfast burrito or can I get you some pancakes or something? And your wardrobe's all ready for you in your trailer. And when you're done, we're ready for you on the set. Any other job, you show up late, they're going to give you hell. You're lucky if you still had a job. You yeah, know? Of course, yeah. And, and, it entered, and I'd say, seriously, step back a second. What do we do for work? We put on clothes and we pretend we're somebody else. That's our job. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how many people would kill for this fucking job? Be a nice guy. Be happy. Be thankful. You've got a great job, and you should get on your knees and kiss the ground that you do. You know? It was so funny. You know the upfronts that they do every year? Oh, yeah. I don't know how much. Yeah, of course. Right? And, and back, I was off Family Ties, but I like had done a mini series or something. And we're at the upfronts, and there was an actress there. I can't say who. Okay. Um, don't want to trash her behind her back. <clears throat> and she was bitching about the show she was on. And I was at that time, I was like, you know, I don't have a series. I got kids. I got a mortgage. I got a... I said, do you realize how lucky you are to have a job? Right. Do you know how many people would love... And you're sitting here bitching about... I said, really, what is your job? You go, you put on clothes, you pretend you're somebody else, and they serve you like Coco Vaz or, <laughs> or, or, you know, filet mignon. Right. Or, you know, really, get a grip. So there was always... At times, I, I many times said that unpopular. I was the unpopular guy on the set saying to actors, dude, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at what we're getting paid for what we're doing, please. Really? You know? Yeah. You could, yeah. You could be dig, so. digging ditches somewhere in the middle of you know, the night or somewhere. So. Which I have. Right. <laughs> ditches on road construction, you know? Yeah. Saw my old man work his ass off and his body break down. Just we're so lucky. It's a very fortunate profession, you know. And it's funny. And then you meet, you meet folks who are in the business who are sort of okay, but there's like that cattiness or that ego or whatever. Right. Then you meet people like Dustin Hoffman, Al Pacino, Eli Kazan, and they're great fucking guys. They're great guys. Yes, they're idiosyncratic, but they're great guys, and they're thankful for what their profession is, and that's why they have those long storied careers. You know. It's just, it's, it's, it's a fun world, and I've been very fortunate to be a part of it. Very lucky guy. Right. Oh, that's good. That's good. So now, obviously, with Family Ties, you, you get the role of Nick, and classically trained actor, you're playing Nick Moore. H how difficult was that for you? Well. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I know it's acting, but yeah. <laughs> wife then my ex-wife now and, and would be 
There was supposed to be kind of like a one-off beyond for a week, but your first episode. I mean, I'm not going to go remember this scene, this scene, but I'll do it just once. Um, the dinner scene in your very first episode is one of the funniest scenes in that show's run, and um, yeah, it's it's really great. And that's probably what got you, you know, be, to being a recurring character for, for for the rest of the series. I, I, I think so, you know, and, and really, come on, let's let's call a spade a spade here. We had great writers. Right, yeah, actually. Alan Uger created that character that I played. He's just a a sweetheart of a human being. Gary David Goldberg, bless his soul, he passed a little while ago, but he was just such a gracious, kind, intelligent guy. Look at the team. You've got, that's like, you know what I mean? That's like an all-star battery on a baseball team having Goldberg and Fox. Every show they did together was a winner. Every show. So to step into something like that was just, it was, it was a true gift. It was, it was really a gift. And so that scene, back to your point, yes, I'm very proud of that scene. I'm very proud of that episode. But but had the writers not been there, had Michael Fox not been there, Meredith Baxter-Bernie, yeah. Michael Gross, Justine, Tina Yothers, they're all extremely talented people. And I was I was, I was the one of the luckiest son of a guns ever to be able to walk into and be dropped into a situation like that, you know. Um, but I am proud to say there is, I have read one or two articles about the best, you know, there's there's some of these silly articles that come out about the best scenes ever for sitcoms in the 80s or the best scenes ever for family ties. Right. Um, and, and in a few articles, that particular scene, you remember the thing with the peas? And oh, yeah. Geez, <laughs> Meredith eating the peas yeah. was hilarious how she did that. Right. But the line when, when Michael Gross, his character, asked my character, you know, can you expand on that? So all I did yeah. was talk slower. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and his response was great. It, it was just classic. It, it really classic. it really was. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, I was so lucky. I mean, to have those writers, those talented people, those such talented post-production people, uh, super lucky, you know? Yeah, and yeah, and the show, you know, still stands up today. I mean, and they don't really show it too much in reruns, but I mean, I have the DVDs, and they they stand up. It's just like you're just watching them, you know, for the first time. It's it's fantastic. It's um yeah, I I, I, I find it hard to watch them, so I of I course yeah you watching them and everybody else right. But, you know, it's sort of like you know when you look through a picture album. Yeah. And you look at a picture of yourself and you remember what happened just before or just after. Of course, yeah. As many a times I look at that and I remember what happened just before or just after. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, oh, I don't think we should go back there. Not now, you know. Yeah, exactly. Turn the page. <laughs> it, was, it, it was a crazy, wonderful... Uh, the 80s for me were just... Look, I went, I went from... I died. I died when I got run 
Right. To going from being run over by the truck to then, you know, they tried a couple of uh, spinoffs. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, yeah. And the first one we were doing with Herschel Bernardi, I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah. I remember him. Yeah, I remember him, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure many of your your listeners would, but um, sweetheart of a guy. They picked the spinoff spin off up and then he had a massive heart attack in between the we picked it up and we're starting production in two weeks he apparently went to have a bowel movement like two three in the morning and had a massive heart attack so oh wow huh. eat more fiber yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah and then they tried again the next year to spin it off and they, the script was so bad i was like guys we just this is really this is not you know we, we let's wait this isn't right and then we did one the next year with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who's one of the most talented, gracious, kind, sweet people ever. Right. Um, and unfortunately, Gary got into a fight with Brandon Tartikoff, okay. who are both dead now, so right. they can't really comment on it. Yeah. And what I was told after by folks who were there, that that show, the, the Art of Being Nick, became the ping-pong ball that they kept throwing back and forth mm-hmm. at each other in the fight. Well, you can't have my show. Well, I don't want your show. Well, right. you can't have it. <laughs> and that was the show broke my heart because when they aired it, they finally aired the uh, the pilot. It, no pilot had ever gotten a higher rating at that time in the history of television. And it was like a 44 or 47 share. Right, wow. Like half, half, mind you, it's back in the 80s. Of course, yeah. 20 gazillion channels as no. there now. I believe then there was only what maybe five or seven yeah if that but many still, you know it was it was that's part of you get caught up in the politics right. of Hollywood you know you become you become fodder for the canon and it's um, it was tough it wasn't it wasn't a pleasant thing but you know we, we pick ourselves up dust our boots off get back on the horse and keep riding Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I watched the, that pilot, and it, it was it was really good. It was very well done. You did a great job, Julia. Did you had a good relationship with with the kid, in in the in the, in the pilot? But it's it's a shame because it probably would have been a nice you know, airing right it after Family Ties. Yeah, it would have led to other things, brother. There's yeah, a, you know, and there's the road is littered with others. You know, they well, did. Of course. Um, MGM did the uh, the TV show of uh, what was it called, Stargate. Right? Yes, yeah. And uh, there was all the hopeful up before that and all the paperwork, and you're going to be the guy. You're going to be the guy. And finally they put me next to the guy that used to play MacGyver. What's right. his name? Yeah. Uh, Richard Dean Anderson. Yeah, Yeah, Richard Dean Anderson. They're like, no, you're too close to him. We can't, we can't, he's, he's the star and you're too old, so we got to hire a younger guy. But thank you anyway. Right. Okay, and then there was a whole other fall to all with, uh, what's his name? Aaron Spelling, who's now, he's dead. Yeah. And there was more, I, I don't really want to go into the story, but it was more politics okay. that I became the ping pong ball in between two factions that were fighting. Right. Um, and that was part of my, you know, as I said before, to, at the beginning of this millennium, it, there was enough shit where I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go for my own business. I, I, I can't. You can't I deal can't with it, deal right. With you know, and that's part of our desire with the network is that we'll be able to control we'll it yeah. green light our own projects we'll be able to put them on our own channel we've got our own ott we've uh, we've got a few different companies that distribute product foreign wise that have made offers to us to do uh handle our product across the pond so you know it's all about control 
Yeah, a- absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I like so many, like, say, musical artists now just will, f- you know, crowdfund their own projects and just do it that way. Well, it's, it's, it's also, great, too. Yeah. I mean, look at it. You know, I don't, I don't know how old you are. I don't know how old your kids are, but, you know, my kids could go out with their iPhone, edit it on their, yeah. on their Mac, and literally distribute it themselves with the technology that is available right now and create commerce off of it. Absolutely. And they can and I go speak at colleges and speak at some acting schools, and I'm like, look, you guys, you actually have it better in a way than we did because we had to rely upon a studio and a network and a studio and a, and a theatrical distribution company. It was kind of cool, you know, when they started selling foreign-wise, you could mitigate some of your risk that way, and then they started with VHSs. It was okay, here's another way to make money so you can keep your value up. Right. But now... I mean, you and I look at look at your look at what we're doing right here. You can put this out, and millions of people can pick it up. Yeah, millions. absolutely. And I could edit it myself. I don't need like you know post production team. Uh, you know, my my own editor or my producer. It's it's absolutely true. And that's the, cool stuff, dude. Yeah, and Real the funny cool. thing is, like you mentioned, like all this content now. My daughter, who's eight, is obsessed with watching these families that will televise their whole entire lives on YouTube. And they get millions upon million, millions of subscribers. And it's like, they're watching people go to Costco to buy paper towels. But yet, they have so many people watching them. It's, it's fascinating. No, what about, the, 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 I'm sure you're aware of them, those YouTube channels where there's the one kid that he plays with a new toy every day. Yeah, exactly. You know? Right. And he's got, I don't know how many millions they've made from it. It's just, and then there's, do you know, do you know this uh, OTT Pluto? Uh, yeah, Pluto yeah, a little bit, yeah. If you go to it on your computer, go to Pluto. I'm giving a hell of a plug right now. It's <laughs> almost like a set-top cable box. They've got probably I don't know, 15 to 30 different networks that they carry on Pluto TV. One channel is literally nothing but people playing games and people watching them playing games. And not even computer games, board games. Board games, yeah. But then you think, and, and, and to go, wow, that's crazy, but... Look, look at how many years people have watched people play poker. You yeah, know? Ex- exactly. Or chess or darts. It's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it's crazy. I think we need to get a life. We don't need to sit around watching other people's lives. We need our own lives. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, go outside. Just watch people, like, throw a Frisbee around or, you know, swing on a swing or play in a monkey bars, you know? Do that. Well, that's the thing, though, is you're saying right there, that's the thing. Why do we as humans love watching other humans? Why? Yeah, it's an escape. What is the fact? You know? And I mean, it's not like there's a business. There are multitudes, thousands of businesses built around humans watching other humans. It's, it's just, it's really, it's yeah. just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Marvelous. I know, exactly. And then you've got the whole reality TV, and it's just, it's everything. All these, yeah. it's all these, like, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, talent shows and everything like that. It's just watching other people. They like pe- seeing people succeed, seeing people fail. It's, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. But, as, as one of my sons just walked into my office and, and looks at me and is now just making weird, you know, I don't know where this person came from, but he's not my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't worry, I get that too sometimes. <laughs> I have two. My son's 13. My daughter's eight. Oh, God, you're coming into the fun year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He, he, he just started high school, 
and he's 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 loving it. He, you know, he's he's a good kid. He's having a good time. I mean, you know, doing well in school too. But and my my daughter's the one I got to worry about. Seniors <laughs> are a real joy. They are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna lock myself away. Oh God! <laughs> please, please, Scott, please. But <laughs> I tell everybody with parents your age. Remember when you were a teenager? Remember everything you did? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's gonna come knocking on the door again and go, "Hey, I'm here again." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Only thing though, you're not drunk this time. Your offspring is, and he just crashed the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Oh God. It's yeah. It's 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 so true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I will, you know, take each situation, you know, like that. My, my wife is the one who's going to have to worry about my daughter because they're so similar. They, they keep butting heads now, and she's only eight. I can imagine when it happens five years from now and then ten years from now. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> no, no. Every, everybody, I have four boys. So everybody I know that has had children of both sexes and they've grown, they tell me I should get down on my knees and kiss the ground because you only had boys and not girls. Right, right. They'll reach out when they want something, pretty much. <laughs> They're going to, when you're 13 year old, in, in a year or two, it's going to be really wacky, crazy, and maybe you'll be one of these exceptions where it won't be. And by 16, 17, you think, what a pain right in the godforsaken butt. Yeah. But then all of a sudden they get to be about 20, 21, and the conversation shifts, the, the, the disposition shifts, and it's like, man, this is great. I love this. I mean, the conversations I have with my boys now. I've always loved talking with my boys, but right. now compared to when it's just, it's phenomenal. Just wait, you'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky right now because he still likes doing things with me. He still likes talking with me. I just hope that it, that continues because, you know, in three years he's going to college and he, I'm sure he'll go someplace, you know, a, a, a little far away, you know, hopefully not too far, but I just enjoy spending the time I have with him now. There will be a phase. You're going to be the biggest idiot to ever inhabit the earth. Okay? Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but then, like I said, you know, it's that old adage. Who was it? Mark Twain that said it. It was amazing how much my father matured when I went from 18 to 21. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. just hang in there and breathe. Treat everything with love. Approach it all with love. Love, love, and love. Yeah. You know? I, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I just got to ask you about one role um, My Demon Lover. Uh, oh. Yeah, um, at the height of your success with Family Ties, um, you, you did this movie. Um, Why? I, 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 I don't want to say... <laughs> Why did you want to screw up your career and do that movie? What were you thinking? Yeah, I, I was going to ask you, like, did you regret that, or were you just excited just to like headline your own movie there? Um, I regretted it. Okay. And there was never the... There are many times when I wasn't aware of the light bulb, the thousand watt light bulb right in front of my face. Okay. Okay. If you look at it from the business's perspective, and this is a business that there's a lot of folks that really got where they are and they're not sure how they got there. All right. And there are other industries that 
not a lot of industries where you can sort of fake your way and get to the top, right? So when somebody becomes successful, whether it's me, anybody else, music, singing, dancing, there's a lot of mean, spiteful people that when, when they learn, oh, you were run over by a truck, you poor guy, here, let's rival you. Right. But then when you become successful, they're like, oh, God, you don't deserve it, you're an asshole. <laughs> well, wait a second, last week you said I was a nice guy, right? When that role was offered to me, it wasn't, oh, I get to be the lead in the movie, because I'd been the lead in stuff all my acting career, going back when I started acting in college. Right. So I was always the lead in the play, the lead in this, the lead in that, so it wasn't like, oh, wow, I get to do my own gig. I literally thought it was like acting class in New York. You know, in New York, you could do, you could even do a play and have the play fail miserably. There were many plays I did that failed miserably. Right. And everybody would say, oh, okay, that was a try. That was an attempt. It was an artistic endeavor. It didn't work. Maybe next time you'll try a little magenta or a little teal, or maybe you'll try, do you know what I mean? I didn't realize the magnitude of it. I didn't realize that I had gotten on one of the top shows on television stepped in shit and got lucky to be invited back. Right. And in hindsight, which I've always said, which would have been much more intelligent, and I say this when I go speak at colleges and acting schools, if you are ever presented with that position, the best thing to do is, one, don't pick the lead in the movie. Two, pick a movie where one of the Toms are the lead or one of the Al's or yeah. one of the, you know, somebody else is carrying it, so if it fails, which is always... The more I've done this work and on both sides of the camera, the more it baffles me when they go, oh, look, that film failed. It's that actor's fault. Yeah. Or that film failed. It's the director's fault. There's probably anywhere from 100 to 300 people that work on a film when it goes from on a piece of paper to actually delivered to an audience. So to pin that failure of success on one person, I think, is completely unfair. Okay? There's, um, but be that as it is, to insulate yourself, as I would say to other actors out there, and you get lucky enough to get on a show that's really popular, and then suddenly you become popular, the better thing is to take one, maybe two scenes in a movie with a big guy or a big gal where you, you don't look like you're trying to be the biggest swing and dick in town. <laughs> and I'm sure it was perceived as, oh, he thinks he can do his own movie now. Right. Whereas if I thought, wow, look at this movie, I get to be an old fat Buddha guy here and an old Jewish lady there and a monster over here and I looked at it as all an acting exercise and what reality can I bring to these various characters um, it, it was never about oh I get a movie and I'm Mr. Movie Star and, and I, I really I would have had as much enjoyment and maybe more fulfillment in doing one scene in another movie where I could really you know drill down dig deep on who that person was that I was playing and bring some reality and some truth to it. But you live and learn. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You live and, and learn. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish, I mean, the great thing is that the guy who was the writer director or the director of that was yeah. a business partner of mine for years. So I, I, I got to meet him. He's okay. A, a wonderful individual. The right. gal who played, uh, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but Michelle Little, she was a sweetheart. Oh, Denny. Yeah. Yeah, Denny, and there was a, the guy who played, like, remember the nemesis, the, the bad guy nemesis? Yeah. And all the, yeah. That was actually played, the guy, the stunt person that got in makeup for that, Pee Wee Piemont, he and I are still friends to this day. Oh, so good, okay. I developed a lot of nice relationships, but, you know, if, if we could go back, and I'm sure everybody's got a gee, if I could go back and, you know, replay, I, I would not have chosen it, no. Right. I wouldn't have. 
Yeah, I mean, to make you feel a little bit better, I don't know if you need it now after all these years. I mean, the, the movie's not, not too bad. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, now, okay, you know, not in the harsh light of, like, oh, it's coming out in theaters and yeah. somebody spent millions of dollars on right. this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. It's, um, but I, 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 I wish I had, and look, I wish also, you know, the time when I said the whole fight between Brandon and Gary when we did uh, The Art of Being Nick. Right. Um, I wished at times more... I always wanted to be gracious going in the room. I always wanted to be very appreciative of my situation and be gracious to everybody. But there were times that I should have put my foot down and, and it took a long time and a lot of, you know, getting stooped up the backside. I should have put my foot down and said, no, God damn it. You told me this. I wanted it in writing and I need b- 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 this. So a lot of lessons to learn. Yeah. Growing up. Yeah, absolutely. And like, uh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, you mentioned that, that example about taking like a smaller like role in a movie. Um, I look at like say Jason Priestley, who was on obviously Beverly Hills 90210. I think one of his very first roles, he had a very minor part in Tombstone with like, you know, Kurt, right. Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer and great movie. Hello. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know. Yeah, and then to look at Jason, which, you know, I, I haven't seen him in years. I don't know what he's doing now, but he went on to have a, a mildly successful career, but Hollywood, after a certain amount of time, says, okay, we're done. You go to Hollywood jail. Right. It's funny, I say that in meetings. You're like, you went to jail? No, 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 <laughs> Hollywood jail. Yeah. You know, look, I, I've had writers that were very successful. Friends of mine, writers. Uh, friends that are directors very successful. And if something, if there's a glitch or there's a, a certain badoop badoop, um, you know, they go, oh, gosh, Noel's got stink on him. We can't use him. Yeah. Like, there's a buddy of mine. I won't say his name. Um but he had confronted Harvey Weinstein when Harvey was hitting on a 17-year-old girl on the set and he was directing the film. Wow. And he went over and addressed it and Harvey stopped. And then he was, he was leaving the set, he walked past my friend and he goes, good luck with your career. We'll oh. see how you do. Oh, God. So you get, you know, little assholes like that that want to play fuckwad. Right. And I'm very happy that Harvey was found out. There's another guy, no, I never had heard in town, but there was another guy, you know, that actually punched Harvey and knocked him out and, cold in the hotel room when he started doing his robe and my dick dangling shit so. right, right I, but it's you know look there are pieces of shit like that that inhabit every business right of course what goes on in Washington look what goes on you know you and I you were a journal journalist I was a journalist for a period of time you know when I when I started as a journalist back in the 70s there were no women in the editorial room no not a one none and every woman was literally by the older guys there you know, not by every guy, but the ones that did, they were all, they were, they were objectified. You know, they were sexually harassed. So it's just, anyway, 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 it's a better time and hopefully we all love and appreciate each other. There we go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just, you know, just get rid of all the assholes everywhere pretty much, you know. (laughs) Well, but look, that's part of, with the advent of this technology and the ability, you know, Somebody today can go, well, fuck you, Mr. Studio Guy. I'm going to go shoot my own movie. I'm going to cut it myself, and I'll put it out, you know. Right. I can buy carriage. I can get my own carriage. I know distribution companies that will say, made your own movie, need distribution? We'll release it. Exactly. And, hell, you can even have a GoFundMe page and have, you know, your fans fund the the project as well. Exactly. You know, so there's so many more avenues, yeah. But, like, you went from, like, like obviously on the screen to become a voice actor for a little bit, and it's when it took one project. You worked with some like heavy hitters in the voice industry. Oh, dude, you did your homework. Way to go. 
yeah. No, I, I, I remember yeah. Phantom 2040. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Mark Hamill, obviously. You know, Luke Skywalker, but one of the best voice actors ever with the Joker and that project. You worked with Skeletor himself, Alan Oppenheimer. Um, uh, Deborah Harry, Blondie. Yeah. Um, I think Margot Harry Kidder. Dodgraff, yeah. Margot Kidder. Um, uh, what's her name? Pam Segal, who's now I think Pam Alden, who was on, you know, Californication, whatever. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of the other, and some of the voice actors in there, there was a... I mean, like, like Rob, Alan, Rob, Rob Paulson was in that, and Rob he's Paulson's great. Sweetheart. Yeah. Cap Susie, you know? Rob Paulson will always be my hero. Right, always. yeah. Yeah, he, no, there, was, there, was, there, was, there was a thing that went on one day in the recording studio, and it was, it was a great gig. Come on. You roll out of bed, you brush your teeth, <laughs> you have swirl back some coffee. Right. You can show up in your pajamas, and you're playing with the, the people you just, come on, Mark Hamill, mm. you know, Carrie Snodgrass, Margot Kidder. There's a very funny story that Margot, um, Pam Seagal, right. or Pam Alden now, Carrie Snodgrass, and Leah Ramini, Leah. Right, you know, of Leah. course, yeah, King of Queens, yeah. Sweetheart. They were talking about a certain sexual act. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, mind you, when you go into this recording booth, it's, it's a pretty, mostly it was a large room. Imagine a room that would have a capacity of anywhere from 10 to 20 actors <laughs> standing in front of a microphone with a mic stand, right? Okay. And... In the recording booth where the producers and the director and the writer was very funny. I'm not sure who was in the fishbowl and who was looking in the bowl. Sometimes they were in the bowl and sometimes we were in the bowl, you know. But anyway, one day recording, Pam, Leah, um, um, what's her name, Carrie, and Margot all got into a, a little bit of a friendly dispute as to who would do such and such <laughs> then they all proceeded to get on the floor and show us their particular movements and motions to achieve such and such better <laughs> it was rather entertaining I can't I, I don't know who's going to be listening to this and I know I've left a, a few fucks and shits and dams up but right. this is even more ribald and I'll just leave it at that okay. it was just I mean, you know come on two and a half years doing that yeah. Deborah Harry. Who gets to work with Deborah Harry? I know. That you listen to. Of course. You know? Yeah. I, I I won't even ask you who, who had the best motion. You'll you can just I'll use my imagination for that one. <laughs> you know, it, I I gotta say, Margot and, and it was kind of a tie between Margot and Carrie. Right. They outdid they outdid Pam and Leah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you get older, you learn a few things, and you're able to. Um, Learn more of what the touch points are. We'll yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's all about the experience, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. What, what was that song by uh, Maria Moldauer? It ain't the meat, it's the motion. Yes. Yeah. my baby rock. Right. <laughs> it ain't the bike, it's the rider, I guess. Yeah. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Of course, yeah. Let's keep it above the waistline, Valentine. Come on. Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but but Scott, this this was so much fun tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, best of luck with all your projects coming up. Noel, it was you're a sweetheart of a guy. You've been very gracious throughout this whole thing, even before recording this. I wish you the best of luck with your son and your daughter. You know, it sounds like they got a great dad to raise them, and and hopefully their mom is as equally as cool as their dad. Uh, even cooler. <laughs> cool. Good deal. Good deal, brother. Yeah. <laughs>
And a special thanks to Scott for joining us today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the first one 19 Be sure to like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. You can listen to the show now on Podbean, Spotify, SoundCloud. A new episode of Living My Youth comes out every Wednesday. Go check out the shop on tpublic.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, onesies, just go to tpublic.com, search youth. Talk to you guys next week.